and welcome to Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Grandmaster Craig. Hello everybody, how you doing today? In case you're joining us for the first time, I am Deputy Grandmaster Craig Greca. I'm a 7th degree black belt in the Universal Martial Art, a 5th degree master in the Choi Kwon Do Martial Art. I'm a brown sash in Kung Fu, and I've been training for over three years in Kabuto Weapons. And I'm here today to discuss the teachings and trainings inside the Karate Kid universe, including the Cobra Kai Netflix show. So, um, today's uh, Karate Kid and Cobra Kai example comes to us from when uh, Mr. Miyagi is using a leverage move in his fight with Sensei Kreese, okay, uh, near the parked cars outside of the tournament, okay? Now, this is an interesting um, scene because this was supposed to be the final scene in the Karate Kid Part 1. But they didn't do that because um, it took away from Daniel's win in the tournament. So it was much better just to finish the uh, movie with Daniel winning um, at the end of the tournament and not go into the uh, negative stuff that, at, that happened afterwards, the aftermath. So they took and used that scene for the um, Karate Kid Part 2 um, at the very beginning. So what you see at the very beginning of the Karate Kid Part 2 is in fact the ending from the Karate Kid Part 1, the original ending. So anyways, um, Mr. Miyagi uh, used an armbar twisting maneuver to get Sensei Kreese to release Johnny from a chokehold. Okay? You remember that scene? He had Johnny uh, in a chokehold, and he told him to beat it. And Mr. Miyagi took his wrist, twisted his arm, and caused um, Johnny to be released. Which brings us to our topic today. Our topic is leverage. Now, this is a topic that I've had in the queue for a little while. Okay, uh, so we thought I thought I'd tackle it today. A little uh, personal history on this. Um, I used to use leverage when I was a kid. Um, I was actually kind of a small kid. Um, I think I was about five foot two and weighed about 98 pounds my freshman year in high school. And the reason why I remember this is because two of my twin friends were, um, were um, all-state wrestlers. They had done it all the way through middle school, and they were getting ready to do it in uh, their freshman year in high school. And I was going to um, wrestle at 98 pounds just like they were. I was considering it. So... I was also the smallest kid on my softball team in eighth grade, okay? And we had uh, girls on our team, so. Anyways, um, I figured out at that time that I needed to, what I needed to do in order to turn a bigger opponent over so that I could pin them in wrestling, okay? One of the things I used to do is I used to wrap my leg around theirs to give me the leverage to to bring their body weight over so that I could pin them, okay? Because I couldn't do it just with my arms. I had to use my legs as well, okay? Um, as I grew up, of course, um, I wasn't a small kid anymore. I uh, left high school at about uh, five foot 11, I mean, five foot 11 and three quarters. So I was just shy of six foot. And um, I remember that because my cousin Jerry and I used to joke because we we're both the same height and we... Uh, um, we're trying to learn how to dunk on a basketball. So I remember that. But um, anyways, I got up to 6'1 in uh, college, so I was a late bloomer. But anyways, um, so I got bigger. Um, I had the strength and the size to move people even more. Okay. Um, however, um, 
as I've aged and as I've gotten older, I find myself returning back to having to use leverage more to lift stuff that is heavy. Okay. Um, so, you know, did I, during the times where I was a little younger and not in a full size, um, you still can use leverage. Okay. So um, it is always good to understand the physics principles of leverage in your life, your work, and also in martial arts. And that's what we're going to cover today, how to use leverage. Okay. Now, this is just a beginning study on it. Uh, so we're going to scratch the surface. And of course, we'll dive deeper into it as we go. So first of all, um, just like all of our podcasts, we want to talk about the work tasks that you can do. Okay. Now, um, using leverage at work, okay, or around or doing work around the house or your business. Everyday activities require leverage, and it's important to understand leverage, okay? For example, when using a wrench, like to, to take off a bolt, um, you don't want to choke up um, like you do when you're trying to, um, you know, uh, play baseball or t-ball. Sometimes they tell you to choke up on the bat. Uh, but instead, when you're using a wrench, you want to move away from the uh, where the nut is, and you want to move further down the wrench so that you can have what's called leverage, so that you can get the uh, the nut off that's that's tight. Okay. In fact, uh, when we were kids, we used to, um, in order for us to all afford to have a car, my dad uh, would buy junkers and we would fix them up so that uh, we could all have a car when we we're around the ages of 16 to 18. And, of course, a lot of these junkers would have rusty bolts on them that are very difficult to get off. With the uh, Michigan winners the way they are and the salt that's used, um, a lot of times things would rust underneath. In order to get a nut off, you'd have to use what's called a breaker bar. Okay, so um, a breaker bar was the same thing that you use when you use a socket wrench, except for you would put this breaker bar on um, the socket that was a lot longer and had like a rubber handle. Okay, so um, that would use the principles of leverage because um, the bar would be about two foot long uh, or thereabouts, and you could use it to really take those bolts off. Okay, when you use that kind of leverage bar, most likely what happened either nut came off or the, the bolt itself would break in half. And so sometimes that did happen. No fun, no fun at all, but um, a breaker bar would do the job. So that's using leverage. That's using leverage. So the same thing with a hammer. When you're using a hammer, if you need to dr drive a nail home, you need to hold closer to the end of the hammer, not closer to the, to the hammer head. Okay? Um, holding closer does give you more control. Okay? Like if you're tapping a nail in, and you're just tapping in a small nail, you don't need that much leverage so you would, um, uh, or power. So you would simply just hold it you know, a little closer so you can tap it in so that you're more accurate, okay? And it gives you more control, but it gives you less power. Um, the same thing when someone tells you to choke up on a bat. So like, for example, if a baseball player, like a kid, is fairly new at baseball or not that great at it yet, um, they tell you to choke up on the bat so that you have more control to hit the ball, okay? So that you can make contact with the ball. Now, once you've made contact with the ball, of course, if you choke up, you're not going to be able to drive that ball very far. That's why the best people are the ones that can hold towards the end of the bat and can still hit the ball because they can drive it all the way out to the outfield. 
So anyways, um, the same thing's true when you're lifting something, okay? And as I said, the older I get, the more I do this because I don't want to hurt my back or my legs or my arms. Um, so when lifting something, we need to, uh, it, we can get a better and also a safety, safer lifting power when we hold it close to our body. So when you pick something up, you want to hold it close to your body. Okay. Now, um, <clears throat> what they, um, just to give you kind of an example, um, um, you know, uh, I've, um, I have a small part-time job that I, I use, um, when I'm, um, not busy here at the studio and I don't like to admit it sometimes, but, um, I've worked at the, uh, the Home Depot. Okay. So, um, at the Home Depot, one of the things that they said about lifting is on the aprons, they have some, they have like, um, it says home, you know, Home Depot. So what they say is lift close to home. Okay. So it's kind of a cliche term, but it works. It helps you to remember. Okay. So if you have a Home Depot on your shirt or on your, um, your apron, you want to pick something up close to your body. Okay. So that's what they're saying. Hold it close to home, hold it close to your body, and then you have a better chance of not hurting yourself. Okay. Because you bend your knees more to pick something up and then you pick it up and you hold it close to your body. So you, you have the most strength and the most leverage. Okay. All of these concepts make our handy jobs. Okay. So if you're doing handy jobs around the house, it makes them safer and easier to do. And that's what you want. You want to be able to be safe so you don't hurt yourself okay it has nothing to do with being uh cool okay or macho or ego in involved sometimes i see younger guys hurt themselves because they're too their ego is too much they want to just power things up and almost all the time they end up hurting themselves and they end up paying for it for a couple weeks okay so be safe okay now as far as our martial arts practice okay in our, first, in our physical training, we have leverage moves that we use to break out of an, uh, of an opponent, okay? We call these close-range defenses in our martial art, okay? Now, most of the time, you need a partner to practice these, but we're going to try to cover them here on the podcast today, okay? So anyways, uh, you have to use your imagination a little bit, but um, the first one we have here is the forearm or wrist holds, okay? So when someone grabs your wrist, the best thing to do is you have to use a leverage move to break out of that, okay? So we always um, want people to punch or palm someone in the face when someone grabs us, okay? Therefore, causing them to loosen their grip or let go altogether, okay? And then you proceed to breaking out. Now, to break out, you want to turn your wrist so your palm is down, okay? So after your palm is down, and then you want to spread your fingers apart so that, um, um, your wrist is, is wider at that point, okay? And then um, for the kids, I tell them to make a pancake, okay? So if you put your palm down and your fingers out, you make a pancake, okay? Now, after you made your pancake, okay, then what you do is you take your elbow and you twist it so that you're kind of elbow striking their forearm, okay? Now, that's using leverage, okay? That's also holding it close to home, okay? Because you have your most power there, okay? Now, I've taught this many, many times before, and one of, the, one of the analogies that I used, I had a group of uh, senior women, um, all above the age of like 55 or 60 and above, about 25 of them, and I was teaching a women's self-defense class, okay? And one of the analogies that I came up with was opening a jar, okay? So when you're opening a jar, like 
my mom used to do a bunch of canning when I was a kid. Um, and we used to have pickles and jellies and everything else. And one of the things is you can't get the jar open. Okay, so you have to have someone with good leverage to open the jar. So when you take your hand on the jar, it's like making that pancake, and then you twist it, and your elbow goes forward as well in order to get that, that strength you need to open the jar. Okay, so that's the kind of leverage we're talking about. Okay, now once you've broken a hold, then you want to do a follow-up attack. And a follow-up attack usually consists of at least three techniques. Okay, now he's recommend going upstairs and downstairs with one kick and a couple punches or vice versa so that you can um, uh, fully defend yourself from that. Okay, so um, the next one is um, choke hold. Okay, now just to step back a little bit, the form or wrist grabs, there's many different versions of that. I just want to touch on real quick. Um, I told you how to get out of a ba any basic one, but like let's say for example someone's holding one of your wrist or someone's holding a cross. There's different ways to manipulate it. Uh, usually you want to make sure your pancake, uh, your hand is on top when you're breaking out of a crossed wrist grab. Or um, one other thing too is that when someone grabs both your wrist or grabs your wrist with two hands, um, they um, Sometimes you can't get that leverage move out, and the best way to get out of it is to shake your own hand and then do this, the leverage move the exact same way. Okay, so you, you grab your hand, and then you uh, shake it, and then you, you rip it the same way. Okay, a lot of times I say grip it and rip it, um, just so people understand how sudden the movement needs to be in order to break out. Okay, so with that said, let's move on to chokehold. Now, chokeholds, okay... So when someone comes up to you and they have your, their hands on your throat in the front chokehold, okay? Um, and you want to use leverage to get that off. So one of the things you can do is I've seen people use just a little portion of their arm, okay, to try and break the hold. But you want to put one hand on top of both of the hands that they are as a sensor so that you know when they remove them, okay? And then you take your arm and you go up as high as you can and you step over into your stance. Okay, now when you do that, put your hand on top and you step over, it pulls the hands away from your throat, okay? And because your arm is so, so up high, like you're raising your hand to, uh, to answer a question in class and you're super eager, um, it's a lot of leverage with your arm. That, that, um, the way the arm is, it's a lot of leverage to twist over and to break the hole, okay? So... Um, and then after that, you do a follow-up attack. Usually the follow-up attack consists of a back elbow, okay, or a side fist strike or back fist strike, and then a couple, a kick or so, uh, just as your, your three-technique follow-up attack after you're done, okay? Now, you can also loosen them up by doing a front kick to the groin. Uh, usually, I don't recommend the knee to the groin. You could. Um, you just got to be careful because the, um, the chokehold could turn into a bear hug, okay, which is what we're going to cover next. So the bear hug, okay, you have to create leverage with that too in order to gain space. So when someone gets, gets you in a front bear hug, you take your hands and you push their hips away from your body to try and get a little bit of uh, space between you and, you and them a little bit, okay? Then you can use your knee strike there, okay? So use your knee strike there. After you push the hips away, then bring, they'll try and bring it back in, and you bring the knee strike right up into their groin, okay? And then from there... Um, you can use, um, you can use a, um, there's, there's two kind of sit-outs that you do when you get into a squat position, a sudden squat position. 
where you can get um, the arms off you. Okay, so from a back bear hug, um, you would use, you'd bring your hips forward and then slam your rear into their, um, into the front of their body, wherever it could be. It could be the groin, it could be the belly, or it could be the, the sternum, um, depending on height difference, okay? Uh, but you do what's called a, we call, we call it a butt bump sometimes, because you like, you bring your hips forward and then you suddenly squat and, and kick your hips back a little bit, okay? And that movement is a leverage move that allow you to, uh, to knock your opponent back so that you can uh, turn around and, and uh, get them with the back elbow again or the back fist strike and uh, do some kicks and stuff like that as a follow-up attack, okay? So both bear hugs require some kind of uh, sudden squat motion in order to gain momentum. It's not bad to get into a squat position when someone tries to pick you up. It makes, them, makes you heavier, so it's harder for them to pick you up, okay? And of course, there's little things you can do too. A lot of people always like little things to try to dissuade someone from uh, from from grabbing you, like a back, take your head back into a headbutt. Most of the stuff is driven by movies where they want the the smallest, simplest of movements um, or the easiest way to to break out of something because they see it in martial art movies and it looks cool, or they see it in normal movies and it looks cool when the lady does it and she does a couple moves and the guy goes flying. But you want to make sure. In a real fight, you have to have powerful movements, you have to use leverage, and you have to use your whole body, okay? You can't just use little little tiny wrist grabs and stuff like that, little wrist twists to try and get out of stuff, okay? So that's it for, the, uh, for today's uh, lesson on uh, leverage with the uh, close-range defenses. We're going to move on to the mental training, okay? Now, in mental training, one of the things I had listed here is that you want to do anti-leverage in relationships where you don't need to keep track or keep score, okay? Just like guys at work, you don't want to keep track of what you've done for them, what you've done, they've done for you. Um, it's not good to do that in general, because when you do that, it always creates unrealistic expectations. A lot of times, it's better just to give and take naturally and normally, okay? So remind yourself of that, that uh, you don't use leverage in relationships, use anti-leverage, okay? And then also, too, have leverage in keeping up with your training, okay, your martial art training and your physical training, so that you can spend more time stretching, okay? And what I mean by that is this. People, a lot of times, they don't keep up. They don't do enough strength training. They don't do enough conditioning. They don't do enough of um, cardiovascular training. You want to make sure you get enough of that in so that you can spend your time stretching out those muscles and also doing some self-care. Okay, self-care is like someone who's a who's a workout person. They work out all the time. They want to keep their body you know, thinner, lithe, um, tight, toned. But then you also have to spend time grooming yourself and, um, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of your skin um, and making sure you're hydrated and making sure you're eating good food. So that and then stretch your muscles so they maintain their proper length, even though you're working them all the time. You got to make sure they're stretching them, too. So sometimes you feel more justified taking those self-care moments and stretching moments when you've done enough of the conditioning and cardiovascular training. So you know that the checkbox, check, check, you've done those two. Now let's go ahead and start taking care of ourselves as well, making sure that we're not going to get injured or that we're taking care of ourselves in general. Okay, so let's uh, wrap things up a little bit. Um, first of all, 
our uh, martial art philosophy tip of the week is what we just talked about. Keeping ahead of your conditioning and training so that you can self-care. And then uh, our technique of the week is the wrist grab and breakout. Okay, so when someone grabs your wrist, you make that pancake and you grip it, rip it, and you break out. Okay, so that you're, they're no longer holding you anymore. Okay, the last one is our secret phrase. Our secret phrase of the week is lift close to home. Lift close to home. Lift close to your home base, your heart, your sternum, your body. Keep yourself lift. When you lift, lift closer to home. Okay, so remember that we're here every week learning martial arts through everyday work, thus creating life around you, increased productivity, and a better world. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. This is Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Grandmaster Craig. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye.